1: Welcome to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. I am Janelle King, and this is Extra 106.3. We are recapping some cool stuff that happened this week. Um, For those of you who did not watch the debate, don't worry because I'm going to give you the 411. And for those of you who uh, skipped the debate but watched the town hall with President Trump, I'm going to give you my 411 on that too. So here, you're going to get a recap of Pretty much everything that was said, um, for the most part. At least the parts that stood out to me. Because there were some parts that really, really stood out to me that just may not have had the same impact on you. Let's start. So this first segment, I think it's going to be better if we go straight into the town hall with President Trump because there was so much that happened in the debate that I think I'm going to save that for the second segment. The the debate alone, I'm, I'm sorry, the town hall was just Trump. It was one hour with Hannity. It took place on Tuesday night. um, That was November. I'm sorry, December 5th. And then the presidential debate took place the day after that Wednesday. And it was on the 6th and it was two hours long. So there's a lot more to recover. Overall, my thoughts um, is that everyone brought it. I think everyone brought their A game. However, was it good enough? So let's see. Let's dive in. So starting with President Trump's town hall, here are some positives that stood out to me. Um, Well, obviously, he was in a very friendly environment. I think we all know that um, Sean Hannity is a huge Trump supporter. And that being said, he most certainly um, provided an environment and an atmosphere for Trump to thrive in. (laughs) Personally, I'm I'm really, really tired of that, you know. I, I you know, we're gonna get deeper into that. But uh yeah, personally the creating safe sp- 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 uh sorry, creating safe places or spaces for people to have discussions is one thing, but putting them in an environment where they're never challenged or you know, uh, where their policy positions aren't challenged is a whole other thing. And I don't know how I felt about that, but it's what we had. And it was to be expected. The audience was, you can tell, was full of the MAGA supporters. Um, and, and it's interesting. When I say MAGA, I'm not talking about it and I'm not calling them MAGA with the same energy or tone that, you know, Ob- that uh, what's his name? D- uh, dis- Biden typically uses. I'm using MAGA as what it is, right? It's the Make America Great Again group. It's the people who are really, you know, pushing President Trump. It's that 37%, that 37% that is 100% a Trump group. So that being said, you had Sean Hannity, a clear supporter. You had an audience full of MAGA supporters. And Trump was Trump. I mean, he was doing what he normally does. He seemed strong, he seemed ready. But one thing about Trump is that he has been conditioned and he has conditioned us to hear his one liners and we kind of look for his jazzy moments. Right. We expect Trump to say something that's either going to be out of line or walking, treading the line or just something a little more jazzier, um, less politician, I guess you can say, but more so just kind of um, off the cuff. So. That puts us in a position where I think we are more conditioned to be entertained when it comes to um, President Trump. And I don't know if that's always a good thing, because that being said, I felt like the I feel like the policies that were discussed, you had to really, really listen because they were in between the insults and the rambling, which is his normal style. But if you listen clearly, you can hear that there are some topics that were discussed. And let's go over those really quickly. So five points. Uh, five, there was five policy points that were discussed during this town hall. And I'm jumping right in this show because I really want to get through all of the notes. Um, I, I just I, I'm, I'm definitely watering down any type of setup because we got to get to the point. <laughs> so, there were five policy discussions that came up during the presidential town hall. The first one was on climate um, and, cl- and the whole concept of climate change and global warming. And something that President Trump said that you may have already heard was he said the only global warming he should be thinking about and worrying about because it's could it could happen tomorrow. Is what he said. Is nuclear global warming, not global warming, and I guess what he's trying to say is that there are a lot of people who are really pushing more so, uh, uh, pushing more so this whole concept of climate change. But at the same time, they're forgetting the fact that we have enemies, and I'm assuming that's where he was coming from, right? That there are some. Um, we need to be consider, we need to consider where we stand with our adversaries and hope that we don't have a nuclear war rather than global warming. So anyway, So he did talk about that. He did touch on uh, the war briefly, but not enough to where I think we should discuss it. It was just pretty much just you, know, the same things he normally says. Um, he did talk touch on agriculture and farming and I believe that was 100% for the Iowans that were there because I believe this this, uh, town hall took place in Iowa. He discussed energy. Then he brought us back to climate change once again. And then he he touched on the border. So that's what happened for the most part during Trump's town hall. Again, it was one hour. It was during the Sean Hannity show. Um, So here's the thing. When I was watching the recap of his show, I mean, of, of his uh, town hall, and I was listening to and reading some articles that were recapping the town hall, they did touch on some stuff that was put out during Truth Social. I'm going to be honest. I don't want to hear your perspective via Truth Social. I want to hear it via a debate. I want to hear it out of your mouth where it can be challenged. That is my, my personal feelings. But I will touch on his policy positions regarding some of his some of the stuff that didn't necessarily come up in the town hall. And I'll make sure, you know, what was in the town hall and what was not in the next few moments. But I am going to touch on some stuff that he'd said and he has said around policy, because I really want this show to be focused on the policy of it all. Right. Like what is his where does he stand? Where do all of these candidates stand regarding policy? Um, so via Truth Social, he did talk about health care. And I'm bringing this up because health care came up during the presidential debate. So I'm trying to make it as fair as possible. Just as you know, this was not discussed during the town hall. This was uh, something he wrote on Truth Social where he said, I don't want to terminate Obamacare. I want to replace it with much better health care. Obamacare sucks. The cost of Obamacare is out of control. Plus, it's not good health care. I'm seriously looking at alternatives. Um, he, then he says, we had a couple of Republican senators who campaigned for six years against it, talking about Obamacare, and then raised their hands not to terminate it. It was a low point for the Republican Party, but we should never give up. Okay, but what are you going to do because this makes me question some things here. Are you planning to roll out a universal health care? Do you want the federal government to be involved in healthcare? care? And if so, how much? How far would you go? What are you thinking? Give us something. I really want him to give us an example of what he would do. I really want him to give us an idea as to... What are your plans going to be like what? Give me something to hold on to. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, the idea of, you know, I'm keeping my plans closed because, you know, I don't trust anybody. I just want to make sure that no one takes my idea or uses it against me. All of that, to me, is good up until a certain point. It's not working for me and I don't know if it's going to work for others. But I really, really, really want him to have something to say. And the reason why this is important is because when it comes to healthcare, his comment, if I was to put it beside what Vivek Ramaswamy said during the debate, which we'll get into later, I'm telling you, Vivek sounds much more knowledgeable about what he's going to do. And I'm not a supporter of Vivek either. So... I really just, I don't know, I I really want to see more plans, right? You know, we walked into this town hall and this debate. We walked into it, Kelvin and I, with the mindset that we have yet to determine who we plan on voting for in the primary. We are very much so giving everyone the opportunity to showcase who they are and what they're planning to do. And that being said, it just felt like we were in a situation where... I don't know. It just felt like there was just wasn't enough plans, enough details of of what these alternatives are, particularly when it comes to healthcare, which is a topic that Republicans seem to just kind of fall by the wayside on. So I really, really want us to focus in on what they're saying. What I'm, and I'm going to read many quotes and in the second half, I'm going to have some some audio. But I really want us to focus in on that. But after the break, I am going to continue my recap with President Trump. And then I'm going to bring in the presidential debate and recap that. And at the end of the show, I am going to share with you something that I got after listening to both that really explained a lot for me. And I hope it does the same for you. So stay tuned. You're listening to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. I am Janelle King, and this is Extra 1063. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. I am Janelle King, and this is Extra 106.3. In the first half, we dived in. There was no small talk. We went straight in to recapping President Trump's town hall. I want to continue that and keep it moving because there's a lot that we have to cover. So... We all we all are, have heard, I'm sure, about the dictator comment where Trump said he also he also addressed you know Hannity's question about the dictatorship and whether or not he would be a dictator because that's what a lot of people are saying. To which he responded by saying that he would be a dictator on the first day only, where he would drill, 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 and he would close the borders. Hannity definitely came in and had his back as usual and said, "Oh, but that's not being a dictator," and that's true. You know, I, I got it. It was a cute little moment. He was kind of trying to play on it. Um, but, you know, we'll see how that goes. I, I did see that that got picked up on The Breakfast Club, which is something a, a If for those of you not familiar, the Breakfast Club is a um, media site where uh, you can hear from people who are part of the black culture, and they picked that part up. They did play the full segment, but, you know, they were like, I mean, the idea that you'll be a dictator once and not anymore you know, that's that was what they were saying, but um, they, they didn't really believe it. It didn't sound good to them. <laughs> but I understood where Trump was coming from, right? He was basically kind of throwing the joke back on their face. He did hit his opponents. He hit his opponents by saying, you know, I just found out that Democrats are funding Nikki Haley's campaign. I hear that Democrats are contributing to Ron, and he gave all of his nicknames or whatever campaign. And then you hear... And then he, then um, he said, you know, you hear the talking points when they talk. That's the only thing they're doing. Good. You know, cheating on elections and great talking points. And so I don't know. I felt like that was a little bit of a dig as well. Uh, but we can expect that. Right. All in all, the Trump answers during his town hall were what we t- what we expected. I mean, they were Trump answers. So I don't think he lost any support there. Do I think he gained any? I don't know, because I feel like he was very much so sounding like his normal self. He was very much so speaking to his base you know, a lot of promises, a lot of hard statements. Here's what we did not hear, which is why I keep stressing that he needs to debate his fellow opponents. I know it's a little late now. It's never going to happen. I think that was a huge misstep that I hope doesn't come back to bite us in the general. What we didn't hear about was COVID, abortion. We didn't hear too much in depth about the war. There were just key things that are happening right now. I feel like he avoided all controversial topics and that's a little bit concerning to me. And Something we tend to do as Republicans is that we tend to protect rather than prepare. Then we get into a situation where we're embarrassed or we're confused when we don't get the outcome that we expect. But you haven't asked the tough questions. We avoid the tough questions. There was something that was said that made my ears perk up a little bit. And that's when Trump mentioned RFK Jr. He just said that, you know, we were friends, although politically different, Trump became a Republican kind of late, too, in life. Hannity, I really want him to be a little more unbiased. You know, he took a long time to kind of get his questions out. And that was pretty much the gist of the town hall. I I mean, I don't have much to add to it because it just I didn't hear much of anything that I felt was different. I didn't hear anything new. Trump did what he was supposed to do. So now we're going to go into the presidential debate. So let's talk about the presidential debate. First of all, let's give a shout out to News Nation. I am hooked now. I like to listen to people who have alternate perspective. As I've been watching News Nation after the debate, they seem a little more balanced. I'm not quite have to watch it more to determine if they're leaning in one direction. So let's get started. What happened on that debate stage so much? First of all. 10 minutes in to the debate, and Vivek Ramaswamy came out swinging, and Ron DeSantis followed it up. And who were they swinging at? Nikki Haley. I said they were bought and paid for. I meant
2: the Republican establishment, not the Democratic establishment. Now you have Reed Hoffman, the person who's effectively George Soros Jr., funding lawsuits across this country against. DONALD TRUMP TO KEEP HIM OFF THE BALLOT, FUNDING LEFT-WING CAUSES, WE DISCOVER THIS WEEK THAT HE IS ONE OF NIKKI HALEY'S LARGEST SUPPORTERS. LARRY FINK, THE KING OF THE WOKE INDUSTRIAL COMPLEX, THE ESG MOVEMENT, THE CEO OF BLACKROCK, THE MOST POWERFUL COMPANY IN THE WORLD, NOW SUPPORTING NIKKI HALEY. AND TO SAY THAT DOESN'T AFFECT HER IS FALSE, BECAUSE IT'S AFTER THAT MEETING LATER THAT DAY THAT SHE SAYS THAT EVERY AMERICAN NEEDS TO BE DOXED BY HAVING THEIR I.D., THEIR GOVERNMENT-ISSUED I.D., tied to what they say on the internet. So I think that this is far more corrupt than I even imagined when I entered politics. But I will say this.
0: First of all, we weren't bankrupt when I left the UN. We're people of service. My husband is in the military and I served our country as UN ambassador and governor. It may be bankrupt to him, but it certainly wasn't bankrupt to us. Secondly, I did serve on the board of Boeing. I did a lot of work with Boeing when I was governor. They were a great partner to me. I served for 10 months. And then when they decided after COVID that they wanted to go for a corporate bailout, I've never supported corporate bailout, so I respectfully stepped back and got off the board. I love Boeing. They build good commercial airplanes. They build airplanes for our Air Force. I am proud of them. They employ a lot of people in South Carolina. But that's why I left the Boeing board. There's nothing to what he's saying. And in terms of these donors that I'm are supporting that. me, they're just yeah. jealous. They wish that they were supporting them. But I'm not going to sit there and the governor-
3: THE IDEA THAT I WANT TO DO THAT, IN FLORIDA, THEY WERE MANAGING our pension, PART OF OUR PENSION, AND THEN WHEN THEY DID THE ESG, I TOOK $2 BILLION AWAY FROM BLACKROCK. WE TOOK ACTION. THIS ESG, THEY CALL IT ENVIRONMENT SOCIAL GOVERNANCE, AND AGAIN, NIKKI IS MEETING WITH ALL THESE PEOPLE, uh, THEY WANT TO USE ECONOMIC POWER TO IMPOSE A LEFT-WING AGENDA ON THIS COUNTRY. THEY WANT BASICALLY TO CHANGE SOCIETY WITHOUT HAVING TO GO THROUGH THE CONSTITUTIONAL PROCESS we've kneecapped it in the state of florida the next president of the united states needs to be able to go to that office on day one and end esg and the fact of the matter is we know From her history, Nikki will cave to those big donors when it counts.
1: As I was listening to what was being said, there was something that he said. It made me roll my eyes a little bit and kind of look, you know, I looked at Kelvin. We had to pause the debate and have a discussion. And that was because he brought up Larry Fink. Now, who is Larry Fink? Larry Fink is over BlackRock. BlackRock, their whole objective is to... Take over through media, through business. BlackRock has stake in so many of our major corporations, and one of the things that Larry Fink and BlackRock was pushing was ESG, which is environmental, social, governance. That was a little concerning when I found out that a lot of those people had donated to Nikki Haley because they don't just donate, you know, where there's no possibility of a return. So I'm not saying that Nikki Haley is going to compromise who she is and compromise her goals. But I will say that I was a little concerned about that because I don't care for Larry Fink. When I look at Vivek and how he started this, I was like, you know, I'm not sure how I feel about him as president. I'm still trying to figure him out right now. He's not on my top of my list. That being said, I think Nikki Haley is going to have to overcome the idea that she is so far establishment. Next, we had Chris Christie. Governor Chris Christie came up and let's listen to his response to his first question regarding Trump's absence on the debate. It's often
4: very difficult to be the only person on the stage who's telling the truth and the only person who is taking on what needs to be taken on. I I look at my watch now. We're 17 minutes into this debate, and except for your little speech in the beginning, we've had these three acting as if the race is between the four of us. The fifth guy who doesn't have the guts to show up and stand here. He's the one who, as you just put it, is way ahead in the polls. And yet I've got these three guys who are all seemingly to compete um, with you know, Voldemort, he or shall not be named. They don't wanna talk about it. The, the fact is that when you go and you say the truth about somebody who is a dictator, A bully who has taken shots at everybody, whether they've given him great service or not, who dares to disagree with him. Then I understand why the thieves three are timid to say anything about it. Maybe it's because they have future aspirations. Maybe those future aspirations are now, or maybe they're four years from now. But the fact of the matter is the truth needs to be told. And for us to go 17 minutes without discussing the guy who has all those gaudy numbers you talked about is ridiculous. I'm in this race because the truth needs to be spoken. He is unfair. This is a guy who just said this past week that he wants to use the Department of Justice to go after his enemies when he gets in there. And the fact of the matter is, he is unfit to be president. And there is no bigger issue in this race, Megan, than Donald Trump and those numbers prove it.
1: Whether you like it or not, he's right. I think he, he makes some good points. Saying that you're not debating because you're leading is a convenient excuse to me. Why aren't you talking about Trump more is a good question that he should ask the other opponents. I get why they're not, but I think that's a great question. We need to, if you're not going to directly hit President Trump, you've got to contrast his uh, perspectives and his policies. And I will say that out everybody on that stage. Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis did come at Trump a little bit, two different ways, but they did kind of come at him. Kelvin and I are working with younger voters, and they're just not feeling this whole support. Who we tell you to support without any question, never ask for any details. It's not going to fly with our younger voters. I think Chrissy was onto something with that one. He came straight out with it. He addressed the elephant in the room, which I appreciate it. What I saw throughout the debate is that he was just getting started. You know, what I noticed is that he he finished his first question. Something that came to my mind is that this is a good mix of individuals representing the many factions. Of the party. You had people on the stage that represented MAGA. You had the Never Trumpers on the stage. You had your moderate, more establishment. And then you had those who were kind of middle of the road argument. But it was all represented on that stage, which I thought was really, really good. And that leads me back to Vivek. He took some hard blows. We have a Chris Christie. Had a lot to do with that. There was a moment where he questioned if Nikki Haley knew the providences in Israel and 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 regions and stuff. And he said, well, you know, my child could find it. And I didn't really like that either because I kind of felt like just because you don't know every single providence in another country doesn't mean that you don't know national security. I, I thought that was a very weak argument. It seemed very young. It was kind of trying to hit at her, ability, her inability as a lead because she didn't know these things. And so Nikki Haley didn't say much, but Governor Chris Christie did.
4: You would be voted in the first 20 minutes as the most obnoxious blowhard in America. So <laughs> shut up for the little I want to say something else. We're now 25 minutes into this debate, and he has insulted Nikki Haley's basic intelligence, not her position's. Her basic intelligence, she doesn't know regions. She wouldn't be able to find something on a map that his three-year-old could find. Look, if you want to disagree on issues, that's fine. And Nikki and I disagree on some issues. But I'll tell you this, I've known her for 12 years, which is longer than he's even started to vote in a Republican primary. And while we disagree about some issues and we disagree about who should be president of the United States, what we don't disagree on is this is a smart, accomplished woman. You should stop insulting her. So
1: I really felt like... Vivek was showing his youth. I mean, insulting intelligence is just too much to me because everyone on that stage is clearly intelligent. I didn't like that. I saw a body language expert that came on News Nation earlier said they were kind of recapping the debate and the body language expert said that Vivek comes off as just really rehearsed and over-rehearsed. On the flip side, we have to ask ourselves, who is he talking to? Because we tend to accept that level of politicking from President Trump, so I, kinda, I do get the strategy. On a positive note, I felt like Vivek's strongest area was when he talked about healthcare.
2: I actually wanted to, this is a very personal issue to our family, I wanted to take actually a minute to. My wife, Apoorva, in many cases, does not get paid for those procedures. She does them anyway because it's the right thing to do, but that does not work system-wide. So here's the answer. We don't have a healthcare system in this country. We have a sick care system. We need to start having diverse insurance options in a competitive marketplace that cover actual health. Preventative medicine, diet, exercise, lifestyle, and otherwise. And here's how we deliver that. End the antitrust exemptions for health insurance companies. That's where the competitive marketplace begins. That's crony capitalism, and that's the answer.
1: I go to an integrative specialist who provides us with supplements to make sure that we are at optimum level of performance (laughs) Um, as long as we eat right, we do the right things. And it's more so a pro health not pro i'm trying to fix your sickness but guess what we pay 100% out of pocket 100% i know they say that they do accept insurance but none of the 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 tests or anything i have we were doing accepted it no there was one there was one test but it was a test that i could have gotten at another at a hospital and it wasn't necessarily directly connected to the integrated specials. It was more so checking levels. So it was the lab work. It still was expensive because you have to follow up with the supplements. You got to do certain things. So I agree with him. I do feel like our hospitals, like when you go to the hospital, it feels like it's a last resort. It feels like it's where you go when all hope is lost and you haven't figured out how to do it. So I agree with him 100%. I'm so glad that Republicans are talking about health care. We've got to continue doing that so here are my favorite policy points and they pretty much came from Ron DeSantis I believe that he's the one who won-, won the debate I really do and I know a lot of people are saying that too because he mentioned plans he gave us some details he addressed the border and how he would pay for the border the way he said he would do that is by taxing individuals who come over here and then they send money back to their country he's going to tax that money and I don't have a problem with that if you You're making money here, and then you're sending it over to another country to support your family, which is totally fine. But I'm okay with him taxing that money and using those taxes to pay for the border wall. Legal immigrants, they do not want to see illegal immigrants, you know, jumping the line as well. Another thing he did that I thought was interesting, I think it was really, really important, student loans. I want you to take a listen to what uh, Governor DeSantis said about student loans. Now, I don't support having a truck driver having to pay a student loan
3: for someone that got a degree in gender studies. That is wrong. We should not have taxpayers do that. What I'm going to do though is I'm going to get to the root cause of the problem. These student loans are going to be backed by the universities because they need to have an incentive to produce gainful employment for people. They should not be indulging in ideological studies. They should be focusing on things that work and we're going to take some of this money and we're going to move it to actual vocational training. In Florida, we doubled apprenticeships. We have more truck drivers. These are in-demand skills. Don't let anybody tell you that the only way you can be successful is through a four-year brick-and-ivy degree. That's one way you can be. It's not the only way, and we're going to fix that problem in the United States of America.
1: Now, what you just heard was the first time I've heard a Republican actually talk about how they can address some of the issue with the student loans. The problem we have with student loans is that they are held by somebody else who's making a whole bunch of money off of it, But then there's no responsibility to the colleges and the universities to ensure that people are getting degrees where they can actually work and sustain and take care of their families. A degree in gender studies, I have yet to have found the job opportunities that are out there for the number of people who may be getting that degree. So that was a great plan for me. I do think that we should put more money into trade schools because getting a trade is a best way to ensure that you can take care of yourself and you can take care of your family. If you look at the formation of our country, if people were getting educated in areas where there weren't any job opportunities or it wasn't going to enhance the country, we wouldn't be where we are today. Another moment that I thought was pretty interesting when Governor Chris Christie and Governor DeSantis kind of had a little moment when talking about gender reassignment surgery and whether parents should be able to basically mutilate their children if their child says they feel like they were born in a different body. Let me tell you, this was such an interesting moment for me because the discussion around parents being able to perform the surgery, I was an automatic no, right? But I love hearing new perspectives. So listen to what Governor Chris Christie said and then listen to Governor DeSantis follow up. But listen to what he said and then um, I'm going to jump back in and kind of tell you what I thought. So take a listen.
2: You do not favor a ban on trans medical treatments for minors, saying it's a parental rights issue. The surgeries done on minors involve cutting off body parts at a time when these kids cannot even legally smoke a cigarette. Kids who go from puberty blockers to cross-sex hormones are at a much greater likelihood of winding up sterile. How is it that you think a parent should be able to okay these surgeries, never mind the sterilization of a child? And aren't you way too out of step on this issue to be the Republican nominee?
4: No, I'm not. Because, I, because Republicans believe in less government, not more. In less involvement with government, not more in government involvement in people's lives. And you know what, Megan? I trust parents. And we're out there saying that we should empower parents in education. We should empower parents to make more decisions about where their kids go to school. I agree. We should empower parents to be teaching the values that they believe in in their homes without the government telling them what those values should be. And yet we want to take other parental rights away. I'm sorry, as a father of four, I believe there is no one who loves my children more than me. There's no one who loves my children more than my wife. There's no one who cares more about their success and health in life than we do. Not some government bureaucrat, not some... You look at these jokers down in Congress. It takes them three weeks to pick a speaker, and up until two days ago, they couldn't promote somebody in the military in the United States Senate who earned their new rank. And we're going to put my children's health and my decisions in their hands FOR THEM TO MAKE THOSE DECISIONS, FOR JOE BIDEN TO MAKE THOSE DECISIONS, FOR ME AND FOR MY WIFE, LET ME JUST SAY THIS. THIS IS NOT SOMETHING I FAVOR. I THINK IT'S A VERY, VERY, dangerous thing to do but that's my opinion as a parent Megan and I get to make the decisions about my children not anybody else and every parent out there who's watching tonight you start to turn over just a little bit of this authority the authority they're gonna take from you next you're not gonna like I'll stand up for parents each and every time drinking not yeah, by but the minute you start to take those rights away from parents you don't know that slippery slope. What rights are going to be taken away okay. next? And you what's do going not to be have As, on as you. a Go parent,
1: ahead.
3: you do not have the right to abuse your kids. This yeah. is cutting off their genitals. This is mutilating these minors. These are irreversible procedures. Uh, and this is something that other countries in Europe, like Sweden, once they started doing it, they saw it did incalculable damage. They've shut it down. I signed legislation in Florida banning the mutilation of minors because it is wrong. We cannot allow this to happen in this country. And and I know Chris disagrees with me, and I think he has an honest position. Uh, Nikki disagrees with me. She opposes the bill that we did to ban that. She said the law shouldn't get involved with
1: it. You said the law shouldn't get involved with it. I was surprised by how much I agreed with Governor Chris Christie on that point. However, DeSantis made a better point. (laughs) But I have to look at these policies that are around our children and healthcare. What Governor Chris Christie was basically saying, which is not wrong, is that if we create policies that now tell parents that they cannot do something when it comes to their child, where does that stop? Because the government should not be controlling parents. The point he was making was that as a parent, I should know what's best for my child, even if you don't agree with what's best for my child. And I, I mean, I, I do see where he's coming from when it comes to that. He said, I don't want to preach parental uh, control, then create policy that I mean, I, what I was thinking is I don't want to preach parental control and then create policies that control parents. But to DeSantis point, we do have to be careful with this because we have to be responsible to protect the American citizens, especially our children and our elderly. So I thought that was a pretty much a really, really good point. I thought that was a good point. All right. That being said, we're going to take another break. And then I'm going to come back and we're going to talk about Trump because Trump came up in the debate. And then I'm going to give you my closing arguments, my closing response to all of this. So please stay tuned. I know we ran through this really, really quickly, but I had to in order to get all this stuff out. Um, So, again, this is just a recap. Some of the points that stood out to me. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. I am Janelle King, and this is Extra 106.3. Welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. I am Janelle King and this is Extra 106 three we are finishing up our recap of we did the presidential uh, debate that took place on Wednesday and we did the town hall that gov I mean, sorry that President Trump did we did his uh re- a recap of his town hall that took place on that Tuesday before the presidential debate so now I want to talk about really quickly what happened when Trump came up during the presidential debate Governor DeSantis said something that I thought was interesting he hit Trump on his deportation numbers versus Obama. From my understanding, I believe Trump deported like a little over half a million or something like that. I think Obama deported 3 million. Mind you, both of those numbers are extremely low if you think about it in comparison to other administrations. Not that there's a you know a certain cap, but I think Bush came in at like 10 million or something like that. So when it comes to deporting illegal immigrants, Trump's numbers were a little low, and that's what Ron was trying to say. But more importantly, what he was saying is that the rhetoric is not matching the policies. And I thought that was something really, really interesting. And that, to me is what makes Governor Chris Christie's presence during this debate relevant. I didn't talk much about Nikki Haley because I feel like Nikki Haley did what she was supposed to do. She stood strong. She was confident. She took the blows. Majority of of her debate was her defending herself because, you know, she was the one that everyone was targeting. So there wasn't really moments where I felt like she stood out and said, you know, and said something that really grabbed me as much as some of these other points. So I'm only kind of highlighting the major points. But just so you know, that, but, but Nikki Haley did a great job. She did. But back to this comment here about Trump. I definitely think Governor Chris Christie is necessary. And here's why. I want you to listen to what I'm getting ready to play. And this right here is what made me say to myself, I think I get it now. This was my aha moment.
4: Nikki earlier, she said that Donald Trump was good on trade. He wasn't. And the proof that he wasn't good on trade with China is that all he did was impose tariffs, which raised the prices for every American. You want to know what has contributed to inflation in this country? Yes, it's more government spending. Yes, it's the fact that we're printing too much money. Absolutely. But it is also the increase in prices that were driven by Donald Trump's tariffs. And and one last thing, you can't say he was good on trade because he didn't trade. He didn't change one dollar chinese policy in the process he failed on it
1: governor chris christie is prepping for the general he's holding people accountable this is why you have to debate but more importantly he's saying the things that a lot of people are thinking but no one wants to say and one of the points he made was if we're afraid to you know critique president trump if we're afraid to critique any of the other candidates if we're trying to protect and we're acting like we don't feel a certain type of way and we really do then if you're a leader and you're standing on that stage and you're playing that game, then what game will you play if you're in the white house? Right. If you, in other words, he was like, if you can't stand up to Trump, then how are you going to stand up to president? Xi or Putin or anybody else? Or Iran? I did get that point. I thought overall Nikki Haley and governor DeSantis were clear winners. I thought they both equally did really, really good. I want to shout out again, news nation, because I thought they were absolutely fabulous. Um, this after show. Oh, my goodness. The after show after the debate was so good. I I have to try to find that because that was so good. But, um, you know, Andrew Cuomo was part of that and it was a kind of a mixed breed. They had the Republicans there. I mean, Sean Spicer. I mean, to me, they had a good mix of people who represented the various different factions of the party, as well as some Democrats thrown in there. So I thought that was a great, great, great discussion. Um, but Andrew Cuomo definitely liked Governor DeSantis's response regarding student loans, but he liked the fact that he was one of those people who actually talked about it. And he was one of those people who stood up to, um, you know, the universities. So Andrew Cuomo definitely said that we have put a lot of energy and money into these, these universities. And look where it's gotten us. We do need to take some of what DeSantis said at face value and support our technical schools. I thought that was a lot coming from a Democrat. It told me that that was a talking point that can probably cross over, which is what will need to happen in the general. I finally feel like I understand why they are not getting the traction that we thought they would get. And I believe it's because they each are representing a small portion of the party. So the Trump faction is the largest, largest. so that's that explains why he leads in the polls. I mean, it's absolutely the largest. But if you combine the base, um, it's, it's bigger. If, if you combine the base of everyone else, it's bigger than the MAGA group. And if they were to unite, there would be a primary problem. And I say that because if they don't unite, the general, uh, in the general, you may lose much-needed support from these people. So if President Trump comes out and he is our primary candidate— And then you have majority of the Republican base, because if you I'm telling you, if you take all of those candidates on that stage and you combine their base together and their their supporters together, they are larger than the MAGA base. Right. Which are the people who are the the ones who will surely vote for Trump. They are bigger and Trump is going to need their support going into uh, the general The assumption that all Republicans are going to vote for Trump simply because he's Republican, I'm telling you, it's not there. I've had people tell me to my face, I will not be voting for Trump. And you could be mad about it. I mean, you could say it's dumb, whatever. At the end of the day, the the tally is the tally. And they said they were not going to vote for him. No way, no how, no matter what. So this is something that's a little nerve wracking, if you think about it, because when I me I, I'm calling for him to debate. I'm calling for him to walk with his, his opponents, to stand with his opponents, to go through the process with his opponents. Why? Because you will need them in the general election. You're not giving them any reason to, to really throw their weight behind you in the general election. Here's the thing. If he picks, obviously, a VP from this group, then that's something to consider. And, of course, they will probably throw their weight behind him. But who will he pick? Because we don't know where his positions stand, and I think there will be some opposing. Um, I think there may be some clashing or opposing moments, and you don't want that with your president and your VP pick. So, I I'm interested to see how this all plays out. You know, Iowa is coming up. The Iowa caucuses is coming up. Um, if you missed my last show, I did do a show in the past on the difference between the New Hampshire primaries and the Iowa caucuses. Please look look that up and listen to it. But you have the Iowa caucuses coming up. You have the the New Hampshire primary coming up. So with all of that happening, I'm interested to see what's going to happen, y'all. I really am. And I say that because it's just the conversation on the ground is not matching the polls. But... I don't know where the blind spot is Is it on the grassroots side Like I said that's not matching the poles Or is it on the side where the of the poles We're going to find out We're going to find out So that's all we have for the show It went by really really fast But I had to get that out I wanted to play some clips I wanted you to hear I wanted you to just kind of Like I said this is a just a recap of what happened I jumped right in So that's it I want to know what you think about it. And if you're not following me on social media, please be sure to follow me on social media. If you missed a show and you want to hear the whole thing in its entirety, I always drop this show as a podcast um, the following week on Tuesdays. And uh, where you can listen to it from start to finish. And you can go to allthingsjking.com. That's allthingsjking.com. If you would like to uh, listen to the show again or catch it, from in its entirety please make sure you do that this is let's talk about it with Janelle King I am Janelle King and this is extra 106.3 and we will meet again next week oh.